This season of The Ready State is sponsored by Uller, makers of the chili pad. How many times has this happened to you? You jump into a bed that is ice cold, the sheets are red, and you're like, this is the greatest. Takes you a second to warm up, and then like an hour later, you're sleeping in the sun. And there's, a, there's like a chalk, murder chalk outline of your sweat because you're dying of heat. And meanwhile, your wife has snuck over to your side and she's put her like red hot branding iron leg in your space. That has never happened. Whatever, ever. whatever. That's never happened. But guess what? There's a solution to that. It's called Wife Begone. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I got a chili pad, now the Uller, underneath my side, Julie doesn't I never came side. over there ever, you know ever again. Because it's nice and cool on my side. And I stay cool the whole night. And what ended up happening was I actually saw that my sleep latency, even better, because it stays cold, right? And I stay asleep longer. I had fewer night wake-ups. All kidding aside, we really do love the Chili Pad. It has changed Kelly's life and made him sleep way better and more soundly and for longer. If you want to learn more, go to ChiliTechnology.com. That's C-H-I-L-I Technology.com slash T-R-S to learn more and get a discount. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Kelly Starrett. And I'm Juliette Starrett. And you're listening to the Ready State Podcast. You got it. You better stop it. You got it. You got it. On this episode of the Ready State Podcast, we are thrilled to have old friend Erwan LaCour. Erwan is the founder of MoveNat, which is a coaching method, fitness program, certification system for the field of natural movement really encompasses exercise, fitness, functional rehab, and even physical education. Growing up in France, Erwan spent his time outside exploring nature. Throughout his life, he's trained in every discipline imaginable, from martial arts to Olympic lifting, long-distance triathlons, and combat vital. Synthesizing his years of training, his passion for natural movement, MoveNet was born. Erwan believes it's everyone's universal and biological birthright to be strong, healthy, happy, and free. He calls this state of being our true nature. Enjoy this conversation with Erwan LaCour. Erwan, welcome to the Ready State Podcast. Such a pleasure to reconnect with you, Absolutely, my friend. Absolutely, Kelly. I'm, I'm delighted, really. I think the last time we ran into you was actually, or I ran into you, was at, in person at an old Primal Con Mark Sisson event where you were running around being a maniac and I was, you know, trying to help people <laughs> untangle musculoskeletal, you know, dysfunction. And here we are, boom, again on the same team. Yep, exactly. Well, because we don't let the team down, number one, and that team, I believe, is those individuals who are really passionate and dedicated about uh, making a difference in people's lives. And I think it's a good thing to to connect from time to, to time. Erwan, we know that you grew up in France and that that really shaped sort of your thinking and philosophy about movement and fitness. Can you tell us a little bit about your your background and childhood growing up? Especially since, uh, just for conference a reference, since a lot of our community may not know about your movement system, what you've done, and sort of the advocacy you've been you've been holding the doors you've been holding open for us for you know over a decade. Right. Well, I I was indeed born in France, uh, so nobody's perfect. Um, <laughs> I have I have upgraded by becoming a U.S. citizen a few years ago. I've been living in the U.S. for ten years. Uh, indeed, I I grew up in France. Um, and um, my corner of the, of the world, that little place where I lived, had a fantastic asset. 
is that uh, it was located nearby hilly woods that had those huge boulders um, similar to that the mecca of uh, rock climbing in France called Fontainebleau. It's like it was a little Fontainebleau for people who know. Um, and uh, so I literally spent my half my childhood just being in the woods and moving naturally. And I was lucky that not only my parents would let me without, you know, without supervision, they would let me spend hours in those woods, um, but they actually encouraged me to do so. Uh, as a matter of fact, they somehow hooked me on it by, you know, in my childhood, we'd go on long hikes with my parents and my siblings and my parents would, especially my dad, would push me to climb those rocks, to go higher, to crawl uh, underneath fallen trees to do all these natural movements. So that was really a blessing. And it did, like you say, uh, Julia, d- determine um, what I do today. You know, we have a mutual friend in Gray Cook, who we've talked to on the podcast before. <clears throat> one of the, that is true. And, and I know you guys are, are friends. One of the things that this season is obviously about is aging and longevity. But one of the sort of underlying factors that we keep bumping up against is that our modern human selves are somehow sort of out of phase with our environmental historical movement selves. And when I hear you talk about running and climbing, I mean, you're actually describing my childhood in the mountains and and forests of Germany, where we, you know, we had these amazing trees to climb and mountains to climb. and, And we, you know, I really feel like so much of my athleticism developed from just solving play problems as a very young person. And I think that ultimately gets expressed out maybe in that I can hold that thread and narrative all the way to my death. But you guys have really talked about this, this mismatch you and gray between sort of environment and organism. Will you elaborate a little bit on that? Um, Today, sports um, have become so specialized. Uh, fitness have become so specialized. There's a plethora of physical activities. So most people are, are not physically active. And when people are, um, I would say, unfortunately, they tend to uh, choose activities that are high, 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 sorry um, for my, uh, pardon my French, uh, <laughs> highly specialized, <laughs> highly specialized. And so... What you're talking about that you experienced in your childhood, Kelly, is number one, it's unspecialized natural movement, which is the foundation of all physical activity, all specialized physical activity. There would be no sports if it wasn't for that universal foundation that we all share, which is natural movement, number one. And number two, what is so often overlooked in, um, in sports, but, but especially in the fitness industry, is the interaction with the environment, with the context where our movement skills were originally born and shaped and evolved. And that is nature. And that is not a a romantic idea. Uh, It's a fact. And uh, um, it's been been, uh, spoken about by science. Uh, I think it's called dynamic movement systems. There are theories about that. Uh, Movement ecology also is a new field in science that is really starting to explain why living beings move and how they move, but why it is that they move wherever. How is movement a strategy for survival or for for thriving for every species, including um, any any creature, any animals? So we're we're no different. And so there's a reason why we move 
naturally, but that natural movement has always to do with some context, some variables of the environment where you move, where the movements are performed, and that is going to influence the way we move through adaptability. Um, <clears throat> we One of the ways we've reconnected in the last year is that you came out with this gorgeous, gorgeous book, sort of a practice, it's called The Practice of Natural Movement. And it is really a I have to say it's a it's a beautiful guidebook into thinking about how we move in space and sort of the the root movement language of the human being. And I highly recommend anyone who is a is a movement nerd or you're looking and thinking about your development of your children, I mean, pick this thing up. It it's super gorgeous, but it's also very much a philosophical treaty about how we have come to be where we are. One of the things that I think Juliet and I keep running into is we keep seeing the same factor over and over again. For example, like people are like taking too much turmeric can be bad for you. And we're like, well, who eats 17 pounds of concentrated turmeric, you know? And, and so, you know, like we have to, we have to take all this vitamin D. Well, it turns out if you go in the sun, you make enough vitamin D very quickly. It seems to me that in the sort of current gym environment where we're seeing that the people are coming to the realization that there are these movement deficiencies and yet we're trying to take a vitamin like approach do you think that there's a more holistic way that we can still specialize and still bike and do what we need but without having to take all of these vitamins of movement yeah well what are fitness programs really uh, fitness programs and uh, any kind of physical activity, in fact, that is um, seen as a hobby, as a as a personal occupation, uh, is a coping mechanism. If you look at it very closely, you understand that most of the time people are physically inactive. And when they are physically active, they are nonetheless hyper-specialized. So... Let's look at what most people do from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed. Uh, and from the moment they wake up, they are going to stand up and they're going to walk a few steps and they're going to sit. And then they're going to stand up again, walk a few steps and go to the next, next seat to sit longer. They're going to sit the same way on diverse types of chairs or sofas, whatever it is. And this is going to be their main physical activity of a day, sitting sitting on elevated surfaces, standing up, walking a few steps with no intensity, probably not a lot of distance, and especially not any real uh, challenge from the environment, right? All the surfaces that are artificial, they're flat, they're stable, they are predictable. So basically they're sterile to um, the part of our brain that is uh, designed for movement that takes care of movement it has no stimulation whatsoever this is nothing else but the hyper specialized physical activity uh that we call yeah, I that never we call thought of it like that right it, thank you well it's it's <laughs> it's physical uh, that physical idleness i also call it the the movement poverty predicament and that movement poverty predicament literally afflicts Everyone, it has nothing to do with your personal identity, your gender, your ethnicity, how much money you got in the bank. None of that. It's just something that people do without doing and without noticing. And it has become what we call normal and something that something that not only we don't uh, question, it's something that we don't even notice anymore. 
And that is the that is the big problem. We're supposed to be physically active. We're supposed to be uh, um, doing this all the time. So natural movement, it's an unspecialized, therefore it's a very versatile practice that reintroduces the original and universal movement behaviors of all humans, which is what we've all experienced when we were kids. We were crawling, rolling, sitting, getting up, finally standing, finally managing to be able to stand before we could even do our first steps, before we then could run or, or walk and run and, and, and jump and land and hang and climb and do all these natural movements. We all have had that experience of natural movement as kids. And then what happens that's taken away from us by limiting conventions of the modern world. And that's my work is all about um, offering solutions for, for that. So Erwan, you mentioned earlier and just we're also talking about uh, sort of the pitfalls of sports specialization. We actually did a whole season of our podcast on kids' health and one of the frequent subjects that came up was the the serious amount of sports specialization that's going on in kids today. Um, I know you're a father. Um, I imagine that you are trying as hard as you can to keep your own children from being sports specialized, but I just wanted you to sort of comment on what you're seeing in sports specialization in kids generally and sort of how you're managing that in your own family. Um, you're right. Um, I am uh, not too inclined in, uh, I'm not pushing my kids in any way to start taking up any special ed sports at the age of five and six and, and 10. Um, and the reason is I believe strongly in that foundation of natural movement um, from a Mars skill development perspective, from a physiological health perspective. There are windows of physiological and, and neurological development that can't be missed. And I'm not saying that um, specialized, a specialized activity would necessarily interfere with that, um, but I would certainly... Um, try to not take away from my children um, to look at the big picture. And they're doing, they're actually very skilled at this. They're very talented at this. And, and I believe my belief is that every kid is really, if you let them follow their innate drive for natural movement, then they will do all these movements. They will vault over your couch. They will climb on your table and jump off of it. And they will uh, see even indoors, <laughs> right? Even if you uh, can find them in indoors artificial environments, they will find a way to reclaim their natural movement behavior. I, I, um, I like to show that to my children. We spend a lot of time uh, outside. I don't teach them yet. Um, Actually, it's not exactly true. Uh, the, the older one, she, I start to give her cues about techniques and uh, she pays more attention. And, uh, and when she realizes, oh my God, this works, this makes my movement better. Um, I know that that might have been a discovery she could have made on her own, but maybe not. Um, in any case, uh, mimicry is a very, very important way, very effective way to teach your children. What you want them to do, how you want them to physically behave, you got to show them, you got to be leading that, that example and by example. So that's what my wife and I would do. Um, we go on the beach. There's um, a 
driftwood and where we can balance on, we're going to do that. Um, we're going to take off our shoes, we're going to be barefoot, and we're going to either hike or literally run on rocky, muddy, uh, single tracks. We're going to do all these things, and and just kids follow along. They, they get it. They understand that, that language of natural movement. So true. They, um, it's really just so fundamental for kids, and it's it's sad that it's getting lost somehow in all this crazy technology world. You know, uh, talking about kids is one of my favorite subjects, but of course this season is about aging and longevity. And assuming that most of our listeners are people who probably as adults are doing something pretty sports specialized like crossfitting or going to the gym every day, what would be your recommendation to sort of your average gym going person who's active but doesn't really have any sort of natural movement in their lives, what would you recommend they start doing or or how, you know, how could they add this a little bit of this into their lives? Well, my first uh, recommendation would would be to start implementing some of those natural movements in your day-to-day life. Um, and and obviously it would be great if you could um, arrange specific sessions, um, in your, say in your week, um, the same way you arrange specific sessions for whichever physical activity you, you, you like, if you could do that for natural movement for, uh, that's great. But if you could start with implementing, reintroducing those lost forgotten, we, we may even say endangered natural movements in your day-to-day life, that would be a huge change. So let me give you an example. Um, When is the last time that you found yourself in a deep squat or moving on all fours or doing get-ups, like getting up from the ground, not from a seat, from the ground, from the floor, and getting back down and standing back up using your hands, using both hands, using one hand, using no hand. All these simple, low-intensity movements that are absolutely overlooked by pretty much, except for you guys, because you, you know what's up, you know you know what, what's the good stuff, <laughs> but pretty much every, uh, every fitness program in the world just doesn't tell you, hey, uh, when you're home, you've got to implement those movements you get to check out your overall physical behavior and movement behavior no they want to tell you hey uh, salvation physiological physical functional salvation is in the gym right that's where we're going to teach you real stuff and like we're going to do the real stuff get you real results and all and that is what's true is that you're going to get results in the gym but what's not true is that there's hope outside of the gym there's a whole life outside of the gym you can be amazing about outside of the gym. And actually, actually, if you're to do that, if you're to have, um, we, we like to call them movement snacks. I believe it's uh, uh, Frank Forensic who came, out, uh, came up with that metaphor one day, um, where you have those movement breaks instead of having a, a break where you basically being more idle somewhere else. Uh, you're going to take a physically active break, a movement break. And you may not need any equipment, any program to do a few get up and get downs, uh, to spend some time in a deep squat, to uh, hang. And we have a variety of many, many forms of hanging. If you 
have access to even a tree branch or whatever metal bar, um, a two by four in your house, in your background would enable you to do a variety of very, very important balancing movements that in all these movements, by the way, require and stimulate mobility, balance, coordination, uh, physiological health function, all of that. So if you do that, you will notice a change in the way you feel and the way you move. You will notice a change in the way you perform at the gym. So it's all really full of goodness. Well, you know, I, I don't want to get too sciencey because that's not my uh, my area of expertise, as we talked about earlier. But I do know, and Kelly can correct me, that uh, being able to get up and down off the ground, and I think without touching your hands on the ground, is a predictor of overall mortality or longevity or something. I mean, am I getting that right, Kelly? That's right. Yeah. So turns out, if you want to be good at that, you should probably practice. Yeah, exactly. It. So um, it's it's a Brazilian study. Uh, that was indeed uh, that did prove that uh, having the ability to get up and down from a sit position to standing and back to the to the floor without using your hands, and I believe without even using a knee, not even using your knees, um, if you can do that, it's a predictor of greater longevity. Oh, I was just to say, you you know, you're you're stimulating so many ideas for me. One is that one of the things that we've seen in the modern gym culture age. Is it's easy to quantify things in the gym. It's easy to see. And even our most elite throwing coaches out there, you know, who worked with the best track and field athletes, even they have realized, you know, there's, there's a diminishing returns. Like you need to go throw more. You don't need to bench more. And one of the things that we've seen, I think, in the modern CrossFit age is that CrossFit in the gym has given us a way where we've taken our most athletic beings or most competent movers in the world, people who could problem solve and skateboard and swim and jump and bike and, and, and play well, taking them into the gym and they actually look like terrible athletes, right? Because they, they can't just generate the most wattage or move the most pound or do the most work. And those, there's almost those things are anathema and that the intersections where we see that athletic development layered on to then real capacity training for a specific goal really led the best outcome. But it's easy to, for, to sort of, you know, accidentally conflate gym prowess with ability to move. And I think that maybe is, is that hard of the matter sometimes? It's, it's very, hard to track very true. progress with natural movement? Uh, no, actually, uh, it's not hard to track progress with natural movement for the simple fact that uh, pretty much everything is measurable, right? except, uh, let's say, how relaxed you feel, how confident you feel, um, how quick you are at assessing a specific uh, challenge, uh, movement problem that you've got to solve in the gym, in the field, but especially in nature uh, when you move. Um, all these are somehow immeasurable aspects of performance, and yet they are tremendously important aspects of performance. Now, we're talking here about movement competency. And so what you were talking about was movement capacity, because that's what is mostly emphasized in every gym and with most uh, gym programs, uh, fitness programs, CrossFit being one of them. Uh, it's an observation. They do practice skills as well, but most importantly, they, they focus on capacity, strength, conditioning, all the, you know, metabolic conditioning, all of that. Now, the truth is that physical capability is neither one or the other. It's not just competency, more skills. It's not just capacity. 
strength, power, etc., which are physiological adaptations. It's both. So you've got to train both. And with that idea that everything needs to be isolated and compartmentalized in our life and, and, and obviously in sports and in gyms and physical education, the, the result of that is that we, we have to do so many diverse trainings and routines to feel that we are becoming complete, for instance, as an athlete. And with natural movement and movement that method, you have everything at the same time because they work symbiotically. You and you do just like um, it's the martial art approach to natural movement. It's mixed natural movements. So when you go to a, a dojo and the sensei is not going to tell you, listen, um, yeah, I would love to train you, but you don't look very strong, kind of weak, skinny or something uh, or overweight, whatever it is. You want to go to the gym, come back in one year, get fit. I'll start training. I'll start teaching you techniques. That's not how it works. You start learning techniques. You improve movement quality and you improve my skills. You become better at movement already in that process. You have already improved your capacity. You are already get, becoming stronger. Your all the connections, all the tissues are improving in your body and then it's it's much pr more progressive it's not flashy super fast results it's more progressive and and then it's a, it's a long-term approach that is progressive but that's also much more safer than going all out all the time for the sake of capacity and when you translate that to sports then you forget that before anything every specialized sports has to do with very specialized movements and if all you do is uh, being obsessed with capacity, you might actually impair those skills. And that's a mistake that has been observed over and over and over has ruined careers and, and stuff like that. So my proposition is that you are a, a non-mover, doesn't exist actually, but that you are a, uh, a person who's out of shape or doesn't really move much, or that you are a highly specialized athlete, Everybody will gain at recovering uh, a movement behavior, physical behavior that is much more versatile, much more natural. You know, one of the things that I, I really love that you hear is say that, you know, hey, we, even if you, let's say, are, are wedded to your Peloton bike, you love it, that it's still easy to integrate this, sort of this way of thinking into your environment by moving a little bit, by playing a little bit, um, even just thinking about how you're interacting sort of with your day-to-day -day environment. One of my favorite books is a, by a guy named Philip Beach, which is called Muscles and Meridians. He really tries to integrate embryology with sort of how humans move and what that says about us. And one of his concepts is that sitting on the ground, being in some of these primal shapes, kneeling, crawling, they're self-tuning methods of the body. The body is such a complex system that yet it does seek self-tuning. And as we rip out sitting on the floor of balance and play, we lose a lot of this sort of the, the, the root sort of gasoline that drives the engine of, you know, of longevity, of balance, of, of feeling stable. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, the way I put it is that if in most cases, because that's in most cases, um, a lack of, natural movement by natural movement i mean you know all these 
patterns, crawling, jumping, landing, balancing, stepping in so many diverse ways, hanging, climbing, doing all this. You know, what kids do, right? what kids do, what, what young kids do before they're told, hey, that's not the proper way to exercise. If we could do this, but when we don't, and that's most people, and that's happening for many years or decades, and it causes so many physiological, functional issues and elements. So if a lack of movement, versatility, variability, frequency is the cause for so many physical elements, wouldn't it make sense that reintroducing frequency, uh, versatility, variability and in your movement behavior could be the cure, could be the antidote. And if on top of that, you were to do that, and on top of that, you were to add some of the solutions that use Kelly has developed, uh, that could be a very, very incredibly potent um, uh, cocktail, if I may say, a remedy to, uh, to that predicament, which is movement poverty and all the adverse effects on our health function, physiology, feeling, well-being, all of that. That would be beautiful. So Erwan, we've had um, both Mark Sisson and Gabby Reese on the podcast, and they both incorporate a ton of training that looks like playing into their lives. And I'm sure you do the same thing. And in fact, I think you've said you definitely do that with your own kids. Um, but can you just talk a little more about what you know your view is on the importance of having at least some of your training look like play, even as adults? And let me let me just jump in before you start by saying that I'm pretty sure I've heard you say that animals don't exercise, animals play to get fit. <laughs> Am I right there? Right. Well, they play at least a uh, way. They play when they are young. Um, animals, young animals play to learn. And once they've learned, they play less. They keep playing, but they play less. Uh, humans are, are no different. The Play, to, to me, play is a mindset. That's what it is. It's not a particular movement pattern. It's not a way to exercise. It's not a program. Play is a mindset. So it's obvious that when we have people balance, try to not step off the, the, the surface where they're balancing and they climb and they try to climb on top and it can be absolutely challenging. It can be even hard sometimes when you, you got to, I don't know, sprint, lift something heavy, uh, clear an obstacle, do all these practical, adaptable movements. Um, it's going to be feeling very playful, especially if it's been a very long time that you have not practiced those movements. It's like a liberation, and you're going to have tons of fun. And tons of fun doesn't mean that it's... Um, and um, unstructured or or doesn't bring result uh, it means that you experience the mindset the feeling which is play and playfulness and that is it's beautiful because it's uplifting it uplifts the mood and when we know that most people today so many people are afflicted by depression uh, it's a wonderful thing to uh, move away if I may say move away uh, from fitness programs that are seen and that are experienced as chores, as tasks, as like, oh man, more work. After work, 
I got to go to the gym. It's going to feel like more work. I won't have fun, but I have to force myself because I want the results. <laughs> and hey, it's very easy to not stick to that. Actually, that approach has made some people successful, but it, we never talk about the millions of people that it has just failed because it's boring and nobody wants to be bored because everybody knows fun rules. So play, play is, a, is a beautiful mindset. Uh, I recommend that mindset in whatever you do, in work, in life, to be playful, to be joyful. That's very important it's to, say, to stay young. It helps you stay young and appreciate life better. And it's very um, useful in, uh, in exercise, whatever you call that, in physical practice, because it's uplifting and it's enjoyable. To, you, you are more likely to stick to that whatever program it is if it's more playful but this being said well at least in the movement method it's not just all play it's also we're pushing people because another aspect that is important in life that has to do with mindset more than an actual pattern movement pattern or, or specific way to exercise it is mental strength it is metal it is again those parts of ourselves that are immeasurable I have seen your your normal practice. You know, the if you dive in and your Instagram is examples, I know that people can take a lot of your drills and, and as you say, drop them into um, sort of they're already, you know, you don't have to throw out the baby with the bathwater. You'll, you'll come back to the movement, nat the natural movement side, the play side eventually because the results are so good and it's so fun and so so freeing. So one of the things that you, you know, you do recommend is it just, hey, in the 10 or 15 minutes of, of pre when you're warming up, there's a great time for explore this. But one of the things that I think gets lost in your message is people don't realize how fit you are. Like you are a very, very competent athlete. And I think sometimes people are afraid in the move, natural movement that they're going to lose their capacities to run and capacities to swim. And, and I think one of your original, uh, you know, inspirations was i think it's haber george haber right yeah and when he i saw some of his original like swim standards and i don't think i could meet any of those standards i don't think i could meet any of the running standards so you you're never necessarily not advocating for uh not being very very fit and very very strong through just balance and work play i, I want to make sure that people understand that you're really building robust solid people who are who are really badass movers well, thank you. Um, yeah, I believe we are uh, definitely presenting uh, the world with uh, solid examples of what can be achieved in terms of development of personal, what I call real world physical capability. Um, and that uh, our examples, if I may say, are not necessarily those uh, semi-godlike physiques that everybody believe you should have if to demonstrate fitness. We have all kinds of people and all kinds of physiques and um, everybody gets better. And because of the variety um, of, of movements, of movement skills that are involved in the, the natural movement, movement practice, it's obvious that everybody's going to have their own fortes and weaknesses. And so it's not about making people... Um, streamlined in the sense of complete homogeneity of performance across the complete scope of, of natural movement skills. Um, it's about 
especially exposing weaknesses and tell people, look, um, well, yeah, you can uh, bench press very heavy, but look, uh, you have a hell of a problem walking on all fours with fluidity or even on any significant distance. What's up with that? Or you can do uh, pull-ups on a bar, but you could not actually climb on top of that branch that's like a, a, a more thicker limb that's a little unstable, and you don't even know what are your strategies. There are actually eight ways to climb on top of a horizontal surface like that. Uh, how, how much do you want to accept areas of your physicality that are literally inept? I'm throwing you in the water. Can you swim? Can, could you hold your breath and dive? Could you help people save a life if somebody's in trouble uh, in, in the waves, in the tide? Um, could you lift and carry somebody and uh, carry them over a mile? All, to me, that overall physical capability that, again, it actually applies to the real world, most people don't even know what it is because they've never considered all these potential uh, demands. And when uh, life happens, when circumstances are challenging you, it's too late. You're not ready. And my, my stance is that a lot of what's uh, suggested in genes has a lot to do with impressions and some measurable aspects of performance that are real, that are rational, but that completely overlooks every other aspect of, of capability that is also necessary to actually be fit. So it's more about impressions and projections of a certain, it's an image um, and it's some numbers, boy, it's not necessarily a complete reality in the real world. That is the kind of education that we, that we fight for, that we want to bring to, to mainstream awareness and we are absolutely actually being successful at doing this um, and, and that it has nothing to do with your physique, with who you are and how old you are, what your, you know, what your, your body structure looks like and, uh, and all of that. It's really, we believe that every human being should be equipped with the necessary skills and the necessary physiological adaptations. So again, competency and capacity that will make you capable it's part of your education it's just like it's a no-brainer to me it's just like can you read and write you're a grown-up can you read and write hopefully you can can you do a basic mental calculation you know like are you uh, autonomous it, it it requires many diverse skills in life to become an autonomous grown-up how come physical capability is not part of the equation, not part of it, of the, of the, of the convo. That's, that's crazy to me. You know, this is making me think about, and I'm also just trying to bring it back to this whole idea of aging. And I guess I think part of the answer to that question is people don't often see the ill effects of not practicing these kinds of movements in their lives until they're in their like late sixties and seventies when the loss of balance and agility and stamina and strength actually really start to make can and start to make a big impact on your overall health in really noticeable ways and also shorten your life. Um, and I think, you know, we, we struggle with this a little bit, um, in our own business, the ready state, but you know, I do think it's hard to get people to care about some of these things until they 
you know, often until it's too late, right? And in our instance, people often don't care about their movement and mobility until they're already injured, right? And in your case, it seems like, you know, people don't care about working on their balance until they're 68 and they've lost their balance to the point where they can't ride a bike anymore. So, you know, how do you and we and all of us get people to care about, you know, practicing these movements before they've lost them in their later years? That is a very good point. And um, how do we how do we inspire people? How do we motivate people? Right there, we're talking about literally a paradigm shift in in today's, you know, mainstream perception of what it is to be alive, what it is to be a person who's healthy, what it is to be happy, you know, um, what's a lifestyle? It's a, uh, it's basically a strategy for living the life, the best life you can. That's uh, designing routines and reflexes and programs and um, all kind of aspects of your lifestyle can be improved. And uh, I think that it, it happens it happens a lot through uh, through example. It happens, you know, your example, uh, my example, and other uh, players in that in that field. We're not just actually considering fitness or functional uh, aspects of of who we are. That's what we specialize on. That's what we're good at. That's what we are passionate about. But ultimately, what we wish for everybody is to live a good life. So, um, how does physiological health? and functional movement uh, mastery uh, and natural movement, I like to call it natural movement, can help you live that, that better life. Well, you mentioned the, uh, the study, again, that Brazilian study where when people could not get up and get down uh, with the assistance of their knees or their hands, it was a predictor. It was not a good predictor. It was a predictor that their life expectancy or actually their lifespan, not expectancy, the lifespan uh, might be shorter than what they would like. Uh, the same has been done with uh, grip strength. So grip strength in people who are in their bed in hospitals, the greater grip strength they had, the more chances they had to get out of the hospital faster and to actually not die in there. Yeah, but <clears throat> it's a little sad to think about the, those considerations because clearly, you know, um, Aging reminds us of our own mortality, and that is not something that we are ready to to be excited about. Nobody is really, I believe. So, physiological health is going to not prevent you from aging. It's going to, number one, prevent you from aging faster than you should. And number two give you the best experience, including physical experience, how you your physio- phys- physical well-being, your energy levels in your life is going to give you more of that. So it's going to make your life more enjoyable. It's going to increase the quality of your life because you feel great in your body. Our bodies are our first home. Um, my work is to play a role, uh, an influential role in reminding people in every occasion I can of, of the importance of, of, of that fact. And it's, it's, no, it's no surprise that why would you live old? Why would you reach an old age if your function is gone, if your strength has shrunk? Those are already 
from a biological perspective, signs that you have less life in you. So if you want to live longer, and if you want to live longer and better with those additional years, you'd better keep that life in you. You'd better keep that function in you. You'd better keep that strength in you, that, that balance, that coordination, that physiological health in you. And how do you achieve that in the most efficient way? Well, by having a day-to-day movement behavior that has that frequency and that variability and variety and some intensity every day of your life. It's a life, lifelong proposition. And there's no way around that. There's no magic pill, never was, never will be. There's no magic pill. <laughs> there's no biohack. There's no, no, just forget about <laughs> it. It won't happen, right? So you got to take the matter in your own hands. And it has to do with the choices you make and the perception you have. That's philosophy, perception, how you see things, how you see yourself. And then ultimately, it's going to lead to the behaviors that sustain, that support uh, those rewards of health. We've been, you and I have been educating for a long time. Um, do you feel like there's ever an age where people can't get ahead? It's too late. No, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's too late when it's too late. Uh, it's too late when you've broken through the other side <laughs> and until there, I, I don't know. Um, Hey, I can't move my body. Okay. Well, maybe you can uh, nod. Maybe you can blink your eyes and there's still some movement. Hey, you're breathing. Breath is a movement. So as long as you breathe, then um, uh, you still you, you can still try to breathe. You know, uh, take bigger breaths. I don't know. Uh, it's it's you know, there's um, everything is intertwined. I like to say that life is the practice of energy at every level, and that's not just fitness, and that's not just philosophy or meditation. Uh, it's. Uh, it's the, the, the physical function, it's the mindset, it's the heart set, it's the soul set. It's, it's all of that intertwined and functioning properly and then uh, in, a, in a synergetical way. So to be successful in that way is a multi-skill practice. And you have to be practicing every day in some aspect. Um, but eventually, aging is obviously unavoidable, and you're going to have to look at what is avoidable, which is the aging of your mind and the aging of your heart, uh, and to stay to stay happy, uh, to to stay enthusiastic, uh, to stay kind. All these again immeasurable aspects of your of your performance, if I may say. You know, it's um, there are so many old maxims. You know, the the Russians say, when you stop jumping, you start dying. You know, the the Chinese are like, you're as old as your spine. You're the you know another Russian proverb is, you're as old as your feet. One of the things that I, Juliet and I have been really enjoying mountain biking of late. Right, we just we live we get to see a lot of the country. We get to ride together. It's balanced. But I have noticed it's ruining my feet and my calves. It's making me so stiff and unathletic that I've actually had to go back and put in a ton more jump roping, which, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people love to bike, but I'm really sort of sensitive to it and have realized, wow, this is actually taking away from my athleticism. It's more sitting brother. It's more sitting. 
it's it's uh, <laughs> it's active sitting. It's sitting nonetheless, right? After all, it. I know. I'm gonna have to climb more and stand. Yeah, exactly. Um, Erwan, uh, Kelly, and I obviously think that nutrition plays a key role into good health and. Uh, good aging and longevity. You and I have never actually met in person, but I've seen plenty of photos of you online to know that you're obviously doing something right when it comes to your own nutrition. Can you speak to a little bit about what your approach is with food and nutrition generally? Sure. Um, I, um, I eat, I eat fresh. I cook all my meals. So number one, there's, uh, there's nothing prepared in the food that my family and I eat very, not a lot. There's maybe some and it's going to have to be quality stuff. But basically, there's no processed food, no packaged food in what I eat, number one. So it's fresh. Um, number two, it's as local and seasonal as possible. And uh, then it's it's mostly, uh, well, it's a lot of, uh, of, of, uh, of meat, of fish, of eggs, of animal uh, – proteins, animal products, uh, cheese, lots of butter, uh, healthy oil, some olive oil, some coconut oil, and a little veggies. Um, we're not big on veggies. Uh, and uh, some fruit sometimes. And, uh, and that's pretty much it. It's, uh, it doesn't have to be complicated. Most of our meals are literally cooked in five minutes. Um, and... Um, I think there's a lot of complication about what we eat. Um, so here I'm more talking about principles. Principles. Um, yeah, that's uh, also intermittent. So what's called intermittent fasting, which I believe is a, is a blatant misnomer because I, I've never encountered anybody who would be eating like continuously nonstop. This does not happen. So at some point you get a, you are necess- necessarily going to, stop eating and that's when you enter a state of, of fasting uh, i think that what people want to say is that they're prolonging uh extending the natural fasting that happens every night when we when we sleep we're obviously uh not not eating at that time so um i've been a big advocate of that as well as a matter of fact um all this stems from it's not new to me when i was uh 19, I met that that crazy guy, uh, kind of a guru-like guy, but uh, f- decided to follow his uh, his lifestyle, his teachings, and um, that helped me a lot back then. Um, he was a kind of parkour guy before parkour. He was a Wim Hof before Wim Hof uh, because he was known for having jumped off a helicopter just right by a an iceberg. <laughs> and so he was doing all, we were doing all these breathing exercises every day. Uh, cold immersions in the scene, which is the, the river in Paris, or, uh, you know, uh, taking uh, cold showers and, uh, and, and swimming in, in cold streams uh, or immersing ourselves in cold stream in the, in the winter. We were doing that all the time. Intermittent fasting was a big part of it. It was at least 24 hours. Uh, per week, but it was often like 18 hours every day, basically. Um, not you know, eating, eating fresh, um, eating locally, eating seasonally. That was part of it. Going barf- barefoot. That was part of it. What is now called Irving. That was part of it. Uh, exposure to nature. That was part of it. Um, movement, including some crazy 
potential lethal movements, uh, climbing on top of, of buildings, uh, balancing in the wind on top of scaffoldings, uh, jumping off, literally jumping off bridges uh, at night with no equipment in the dark and cold waters, training um, Thai boxing in the undergrounds of Paris. You name any of those, uh, say, aspects of uh, lifestyles that have become somehow like niches, um, uh, specializations, or like there's some kind of a person or group or brand or company that like specializes on it. That guy had the genius of having a lifestyle, design, had designed a lifestyle that had it all, all of it. And uh, that's my background. And, do you uh, think? Do you yeah. think we're getting some things right now? Are we? Is it? Is it? Is it getting worse, or is, oh, yeah. is the consciousness shit changed? Because you, you know, I have I have said uh, to you, I know that I think we would cure a whole lot of disease in America if every middle school, every elementary school gym just looked like a move net gym, beams, climbing, play, rolling, letting kids explore, jumping. I mean, the, the inputs that kids would get. Do you think um, for the rest, because we, we haven't done that yet, that uh, that somehow we're getting some things right? Because you just talked to a lot of the things that our aging experts have said, our, all our friends are you know saying, hey, look, there are times where you should not eat. You should not be eating every three hours. You know, no. that you've, you've got to pay attention to eating whole foods again and moving your body and getting sun. And playing. And playing. I mean, do you sense something has changed or is it is it is it just only in the small population has changed and we're we're still just missing too many people? Yeah. So the question is, is there hope? <laughs> is there hope? <laughs> yes. Are we having any impact on society, on the way people live? Uh, and are we doing our job? And uh, to what extent is this happening? So yeah, I believe I believe in that. I am a I'm a believer in belief. That's my belief. I I have a vision about it, and uh, I I don't like to dream. I think it's a waste of time. I prefer to, uh, and I'm sure you feel the same. Uh, we're 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 visionary in our own ways. That's not bragging to say that. That's that means what is to be a visionary is to having a proposition for ourselves in our life and for the world that we really believe in uh, without without doubt. I don't doubt about what can be done. And um, at the same time, I don't know at what speed it's going to happen, to what scale is going to take place. But I believe in it. Look, um, your work starts somewhere. Your... Um, you're following, you've built patiently, intelligently by putting out valuable content and methods and solutions. And now you have grown that's amazing, beautiful, healthy following around you that did not exist. So you guys are living proof that change can be achieved and that, um, and of course you're ambitious in the sense of, hey, we want to reach more people. And, and I'm the same, but I believe it's happening. Look, um, recently I was uh, traveling, I went to an airport and then I was like, oh my God, I'm hungry. I don't want to eat any crap. And then I found that store and it had every snack, including sugar-free jerky and, 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 and whatnot, that any paleo, keto, you know, carnivore kind of person would want. Uh, gluten-free, uh, 
uh, organic and all, all of that. This does not exist 10 years ago when I moved to the U.S. I could never find anything like this, but now I can. Now you have those gyms. 10 years ago, all gyms were made of, you know, filled with exercise machines. Today, uh, CrossFit has been playing a pivotal role. Um, MoveNet is as well. You are, my friend, playing a pivotal role. Um, it, it's a community of uh, game changers that we are, and um, and I and I believe it's happening. You may tell me, hey, look, you know what? At the same time, are those changes only a sign that the problem is getting so big that that you know the that the changes only reveal the extent of its opposite of what's wrong in the sense of you know the way people living live that's unhealthy and unexamined and they don't don't redo really any effort or question anything so they just live normalcy and it's it's not your friend that culture of normalcy is, is not your friend to par, uh, paraphrase um, Terence McKenna um, but I, I really have a very very uh, a lot of hope and and I believe that vision is is unfolding, not just uh, you know just through not just through us, but uh, through other players. Um, what I believe, and last thing I want to say, um, I believe that when major brands will jump in the bandwagon, we're gonna have all of a sudden we're gonna reach a tipping point where things will beautifully avalanche into a bounty of, of how the lifestyle so societal changes. I believe in that. It's going to start somewhere, but when the big corporation will, will look at it from the perspective of market, even I don't care if they're like, oh, wow, we could make more money with that health dollar and, you know, movement dollar and uh, natural food dollar and all. Who cares? They're going to be wanting that market. They're going to be playing a role that changes society for the better. And so I, I believe in that kind of leverage as well. Erwan, thank you so much. It's so um, great to hear your perspective and thoughts on all of this. I just want to take a minute to th uh, congratulate you again on your book that came out this year because um, we certainly know what an undertaking that is. Um, and also, what's what's next for you? Where, what are you up to next? Um a new website that is going to be shocker is going to be naturalmovement.com and uh, where uh, I will uh, talk about natural movement as the whole lifestyle, not just the movement practice, but the whole lifestyle. Um, and I'm going to start also turning my, uh, my book into a series of online courses. Uh, so that's what I'm brewing right now. I'm very excited about it. Um, and, uh, I, I somehow I've been, um, I've been building that team. I have an amazing team and we're operating worldwide. We have workshops all around the world and we have instructors all around the world and I love my team, but I think that also, uh, I, I'm not the kind of guy who wants to be on the front all the time. And, uh, I could have done so much more in terms of, uh, say videos and, and, and this and that. Um, and I kind of wanted others to take ownership and uh, 
for this to be a community and a movement and not just uh, one person. So my, my method is not called the Iran Accord method. It's called something else, called move nat- natural movement for a reason. is because I wanted people to take ownership and not to look up to a person. Um, but um, now it's time for me to s- step in and step up a bit more than I have. And uh, I'm going to do that through naturalmovement.com. Um, so very excited about that. That's so great. Where, uh, besides at naturalmovement.com, can people find you on the socials and elsewhere? Um, there is a natural movement account on Instagram. I have also my personal accounts on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and, um, and there's also the MoveNet account, the MoveNet website, movenat.com. Uh, so if you are uh, interested in learning about or training with us or getting certified so that you become able to teach this method and to teach these movements to others, then that's what MoveNet does. Where we'll train you, we'll educate you in, uh, in teaching others how to move better, how to move efficiently. Um, so check out MoveNet on movenet.com as well as uh, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, yeah. Erwan, it is great to hear your voice. You know, I, I don't know if the, uh, as you've aged, the last 10 years you've become even like the blade has become sharper or that you've become so, so reasonable. But I, I hear you speak and I'm like, I need to go out and crawl on the ground. I need to go pr- practice my rolling. You have so influenced me and the way I think about making sure that the environment fits the organism and that we're doing the basics. I just, I just need to just wrap this up by saying this just you're so foundational to my thinking and I'm so grateful for your work and for holding the door open for so many of us. My oldest daughter has recently discovered the joy of Frisbee and we go out and play and the amount of crazy shapes she's in and catches and movements. And I'm like, ha, Erwan would be proud. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, you know, Kelly, you are hands down and uh, the most gracious uh, person I know in that whole field of of health and fitness. You're the, actually, you're the only one who's reached out to me to congratulate me on the achievement which represents, you know, publishing, releasing a book. Uh, you've been so gracious, and uh, and I hope that I've reciprocated uh, the same way because I'm always very impressed by uh, everything that you have uh, accomplished and um, and even the ready state. Uh, it's uh, basically reinventing yourself, like not not just uh, it's <laughs> like an evolution, and and it's it takes balls to do this. Uh, sorry for the language, but really it's. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's a strong, strong statement, and uh, that means that you have a, a resource and passion about what you do. And I know uh, because my wife is always behind me and uh, at my, working with me on what we do and what I do. And uh, I know it is the same for you. You have for you, you're a power couple with Julie and uh, um, with your children. Um, what I want to say is that to walk the the talk is so important to exemplify, to embody what is it that we do is really what what people look at first is like, is that person what they are, what they do? Uh, is it aligned with what they what they do? Um, so I admire you in that way. Thank you so much, Erwan. It's so great to talk to you. Absolutely, man. Likewise. 
Can't wait to do some free diving with you. Oh, man, I have, you know, extra spear guns, so uh, I can gear you up here. I just had uh, a friend. Uh, he's just retired from being a commodore of the, the SEAL teams for many years, and I honored me by you know, the first thing he did after retiring uh, was to come in and train and we went spearfishing so I'll be really happy to to do that with you brother um, and I like to quote Fred Astaire the it's young generations don't pray don't even know Fred Astaire he was a dancer he was a singer dancer but he said this old age is like everything else to make a success of it you gotta start young so <laughs> It's brilliant. And uh, to not just listen to the information people, but to actually implement it, to apply yourself to it so that you can actually have an experience of it. This is where the gold is. So don't waste time thinking, you know, considering insights. Just get to work, do it, and see the change in your life rapidly. And it can be really beautiful. Everyone, thank you so much. Adieu. A bientôt. Adieu. Salut. Thank you for listening to the Ready State Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, check out all our episodes here or at thereadystate.com. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show. The Ready State is the new home of MobilityWad where we've assembled the most comprehensive database of guided movement mechanics and mobility videos, all with the goal to help improve performance and eliminate pain. At its core, our message has always focused on helping you be more ready. Ready for your next race? Ready for your next workout? Ready to keep up with your kids? Pretty much ready for anything life throws your way. Check us out and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Ready State. Until next time, cheers, everyone. You got it! Kelly Starrett is the New York Times bestselling author of Becoming a Supple Leopard and Ready to Run. He's a coach, a physical therapist, an athlete, and an innovator who works with elite athletes as well as everyday people who just want to be happier and healthier in their lives. Juliette Starrett is the co-founder and CEO of both San Francisco CrossFit and The Ready State, co-founder of StandUpKids.org, a writer, an entrepreneur, and a world champion athlete. Our theme music was provided by Rogue Wave. You got it. You better stop it.